Amen. <laughs> All of heaven is roaring. Oh man. You know what a what a blessing it is uh, to be in the house of the Lord. I just want to say this real quick and then I'm going to get into my message. If you're a member here, I hope that you will stick around after our, our time of worship together because we're going to have a church conference, a short church conference, a, a business session, but uh, I hope that you will remain around for that. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and uh, we're going to read a few verses out of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. You know, someone said there's two types of people in the world. And uh, there's those who come into a room and they say, here I am. And there's others that come into a room and they say, ah, there you are. And you know, these two approaches are quite different because one says, look at me, I need attention. And the other one says, uh, you're important. You're the one who's important. And, and so, you know, it's kind of like one is, well, the world evolves around me. And the other one says, oh, there you are. How can I serve you? And I, I really feel like that's something that we need to grasp hold of. I mean, wouldn't it be great to be known as that second type of person? Someone who others love to have around? Someone who they, they want to be around? Someone who displays the love of Christ openly and unashamedly. You know, the New Testament gives us some practical suggestions. And we've been going through this series on the, the one another's, if you will, of the, of the New Testament. And uh, we're told to, uh, to give preference to one another. And um, it, it's, it's amazing because in Romans chapter 12... Uh, verse 10, it, it talks about edifying one another, building one another up. In Romans 14, 19, it talks about caring for one another. In Romans 12, 25, it talks about serving one another. And in Galatians 5, 13, bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 2, forgive one another. Colossians 3, 13, comfort one another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says we are to pray for one another. See, there should be only one kind of Christian, the kind that loves one another. You know, in ancient Greece, there was uh, the king of Sparta. He considered his army the wall of his city. And I think this is huge because each man was a brick in this invisible wall. And, and more concisely, it was the bricks of each man's unseen, immeasurable discipline of devotion. Have you ever thought of the discipline of devotion? Man, it's pouring out there. Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. Amen. You know, we're just thankful for the rain. I washed my truck yesterday, so I knew it was going to rain. You know. it, but, you know, when you think about this um, being in the, the um, just uh, this wall, this, uh, the bricks of this wall and, and the bricks being this unseen, immeasurable discipline of devotion. Usually we don't think about those going together. Discipline of devotion. But, you know, the church is also a building which is in progress. I mean, Psalm 127 tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, 
They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. And so Jesus builds his building. I want to say one brick, one living stone, one Christian at a time. And that's what 1 Peter 2, 5 tells us. I'm going to get to my passage in just a moment. But uh, 1 Peter 2, 5 says this, uh, 4 and 5 says, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are, we are living stones that God is building his house with, his church with, and, and we are all in that. We are gonna, he's building up this house as a, a royal priesthood so that we might be able to offer spiritual sacrifices. I think this is big stuff. You know, each one of us, Each one of us is strongly held together in these Christ-like relationships to other Christian brothers and sisters. We're all part of this house, if you will, um, that that God is building up. And the Holy Spirit of God is what I want to call the mortar that goes between those bricks, those stones that holds us all together. I love that. I love that picture. Let's read in 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning, I'm just going to read uh, verse 1 through 11, and our, our, our key verse today is going to be verse 11, but I want to give you a little bit of context there of, of what uh, Paul is writing about. Now, the letter to the Thessalonians was one of the first letters that, that Paul wrote to the churches. Okay, so early on in Paul's ministry, he's writing this letter to them. And this is what he says. He says, now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While they were, while they were saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like the labor pains of a woman with child and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of light. And sons of day, we are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober for those who sleep do their sleeping at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, putting on, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. 
Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit given these words to the Apostle Paul to write to encourage the, the churches. And I pray, Father, that you would just open our hearts and open our minds to see the truth of this passage. And I pray, Father, that you would just quicken our hearts so that we would be active and alert, building up the body of Christ as we see the day approaching, the day when the Lord Jesus will return. As King Jesus returns, we pray, Father, that you will find us faithful in doing your work. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want to focus in for just a moment on this word in verse 11. I just want to read verse 11 one more time. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another as you also are doing. And this word encourage is a, is a compound word in, in Greek. From, it mean, the word is parakaleo, but it comes from para. And kaleo, two separate words. Para, uh, meaning uh, the side of, or along, alongside, or beside, and it literally means. And the word kaleo means to call, and so it, it means to call alongside, or or to call someone to oneself, or to call for, or to summon someone. And and parakaleo can include the idea of of giving help or aid, but the primary sense in the New Testament is to urge someone to take some action. To urge someone to take some action, especially some ethical course of action. And sometimes the word means the idea of comfort. Sometimes of encouragement, but also at the root is is the idea of enabling a person to meet a difficult situation with confidence and with courage, being able to encourage them to go forth and and, and meet that that difficult situation with confidence and courage. And and, and the root idea of parakaleo is to come alongside and encourage. Now, let me let me let me share this with you. The word that Jesus uses uh, to talk about the Holy Spirit is the word parakletos. Okay, and and it means comforter. It means helper. It's the noun form of this this word. And and so when you you see this parakaleo, it it means parakletos means comforter or helper, advocate, intercessor. You see, we see this encouragement, this word um, parakaleo. We see it exemplified every time we see a little toddler learning to walk between his parents or her parents. Mom and dad walk with their child. They've got, oh, they're holding on to their hands and the the child is in the middle and they're walking along and the parents are kind of keeping them steady, walking along. And sometimes this child's feet are on the ground and sometimes they're not. Our little granddaughter likes to go, wee, you know, and, and wants us to swing her and she moves forward that way. But that's the picture that you should have in your mind when you think about encouragement. I mean, it, it's wonderful. You know, uh, we think about uh, the parents are alongside, they're encouraging, they're helping, they're advocating. And, and, and encouragement is a wonderful gift and, and we are to place it at Christ's feet and be willing 
be willing to be worn out in its use, to be an encourager, to be worn out from, from using our encouragement. See, Paul uses the word parakaleo 50 times, 50 times, specifically meaning that the specific meaning is, is derived from its context. But here in first Thessalonians 5, 11, it has what we call a present imperative. I know this is kind of technical. Let me explain it to you real quickly. It's both a command, but it means that we are to continually be carrying out the task of encouraging and edifying or building up. So both encouraging and edifying are always needed by day people who are surrounded by night people who live in a world of ever-increasing spiritual darkness. People who live in the day need ever-encouragement from other people who live in the day and walk in the light because we live in a world of spiritual darkness. I mean, this is, this is very important. You know, in, in other types of competitions, or I want to say races, many times one may hinder the other so they can come out on top. But understand that in the race to heaven, Christians help each other to get there. Okay, we need that help from one another. I read about an 89-year-old uh, fella who enjoys creating new words to describe old problems. And, and he calls a person who finds fault with everything an againstivist. He's an againstivist, okay? And, and, and whatever you suggest, that person is against it and will find something wrong with everything that you do. I mean, I, I've thought about these, his words and I occasionally find myself guilty of being the kind of person that he describes I mean, what I would like to call being a realist is in truth more like being an againstivist. And folks, I just want to say that is not pleasing to God. You know, in the 58th chapter of Isaiah, chapter 58, the prophet said that the sacrificial lifestyle God desires includes this. Verse six, he says, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the hands of the yoke, the bands of the yoke, excuse me, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. And I say this for the purpose of, and he says in verse nine, the purpose of removing the yoke from your midst the pointing of the finger and speaking of wickedness. I mean, the whole idea here is if I'm an againstivist, okay, if I'm an againstivist by my critical spirit and my stinging words, then God says it's time for me to change. That's not pleasing to him. Rather than finding fault, God wants me to give freedom and release I mean, that's what he's saying here in Isaiah 58. Instead of pointing an accusing finger, I need to lend a helping hand. 
Instead of pointing a finger and saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. I need to lend a hand. I need to free the yoke. I need to help the oppressed to be freed up and, and, and to give them the freedom that is needed. See, parakaleo, this word in 1 Thessalonians 5, sounds like a word to describe the person who actually lifts the burden and gives freedom. And I sure hope that word always describes me. Now, for just a few moments, I just want to, I want to drill down and impress upon you the importance of strong Christian relationships. These relationships that I'm talking about are healthy relationships. I'm not talking about any relationship. I'm not talking about the twisted relationships that we see in our society and in our world. I'm not talking about the relationships that Hollywood puts out there and that our, our world is just eat up with. I'm talking about healthy, God-honoring Christian relationships. It's relationships that are wholesome. Relationships that are, are one-on-one. Relationships that are life-on-life, man-to-man, woman-to-woman. Authentic, deep, fully known, transparent, and honest relationships. And I would even go as far to say is you can only have those kind of relationships one-on-one. As you're looking into that person's eye and you're being transparent, you know that they're receiving it in the way that you're giving it. I don't know if you're receiving everything that I'm giving you today in the way that I'm intending to give it to you. But one-on-one, transparent, open, healthy, these are strong Christian relationships. Being able to speak the truth into someone else's life. See, and I I think this is huge because the the destiny of Christian relationships is glory for God. Strong relationships between believers bring glory to God. Now, as a father, as a father myself, I love it. It makes my heart glad to see my children, my sons and my daughters encouraging, helping, Comforting one another in good times, but also in tough times. See, I have some relationships with brothers in Christ that are closer than my own biological family. To be quite honest, I haven't spoken to my older brother in four years. Not because I haven't tried. I say that because I grieve over that. But my point is, is that I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are closer than my own biological relatives. See, the bond between us as brothers and sisters in Christ is so much stronger. It's so much deeper because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And like a band of brothers, I want to say like soldiers, 
We've been through some spiritual battles together. Some nasty spiritual warfare. We've seen the grotesque underbelly of the enemy. We've stormed the gates of hell and we've rescued souls from the pits of hell. We've been wounded. But when the smoke clears, we're still here and we're still standing. See, I want to give you, I want to use an example, if I might, of a strong Christian relationship in my life to illustrate what I'm talking about. I've been privileged to fight beside many good and many great men in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And since the individual I'm talking about isn't here, I can talk about him. He's my brother in Christ. His name is Eric Lofsgaard. He lives in Nicaragua. We met in 1994. 28 years ago. Actually, our wives met first. I don't know if they were going to a workout or a mom's day out or something like that, but they, they got together and they enjoyed each other's company. And of course they said, well, we ought to get our guys together. And so we got together, we went over their house after church. They weren't part of our church, they were part of another church, but we went to their house after church for lunch. They invited us over for lunch. So we went over there and we, the ladies were in the kitchen and they were kind of preparing lunch and what have you. And me and Eric were sitting out in the living room and, and uh, he had a construction background. He built custom homes. And I was uh, a chef, an uh, executive chef at a resort, a large resort there in Central Oregon. We sat down there and we started talking and Eric told me, he said, so um, he, he's kind of a motorcycle guy, uh, you know, uh, he's worked on motorcycles and, and he, he asked me, he said, do, do you like motorcycles? And I said, well, not really. I said, I used to ride one when I was younger, but I said, I haven't ridden one since we started having kids. And um, he said, well, do you like boats? And I said, not particularly. I said, I don't, I don't know. That's not something I've ever done a whole lot of. Well, then after about five minutes, this is God is my witness. This is what he said. He said, we cannot be friends. And I said, why are you saying that? And he said, because you don't like anything to do with a motor. Yeah, 28 years ago. But you know what? Our bond is not about the things that we identify together with. Our bond is about who Jesus Christ is. And that relationship is so much deeper. The bond we have is Jesus Christ. You know, an iron sharpens iron. I mean, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When I'm talking about the importance of strong Christian relationships, that's what I'm talking about. See, we spur one another on to do more and to be more for our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's the duty of Christian relationships and this is edifying, this is the building up of the body. This is what we do 
As brothers and sisters in Christ, we build up the body of Christ. So in 1997, I'm going to continue on with this illustration. In 1997, there were two events in my life that year that transformed my life and my commitment to Jesus Christ. Um, the Lord put me, moved me from where I was to where he wanted me to be. The first one was this. We went to a promise keepers crusade. Some of you probably remember that. But I want to tell you, um, there was four men from our church that went. It was me, and by then Eric had, had become a part of our church, him and his family. So it was me and Eric and uh, another friend, Brian Filipponi, and my brother-in-law, Tony Chard, who's sitting here today. So he can verify the story. No, I didn't fly him in for that. He's here, just he's staying with us right now. But, you know, um, it just so happens he's here today. I think that's fabulous. But the four of us went to Promise Keepers, which was held in Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. And there is something about 40,000 men singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. See, it it boggles my mind that we can put 105,000 people in Kyle Field, in Aggieland, and they're all rooting for their team. But we can't get that many people in a stadium to root for our Lord. What an amazing thing when you hear all of these men with their voices singing about the grace of Almighty God. We stayed at Eric and Marilyn's, it was actually Marilyn's mom and dad's house in just outside of Eugene there. The four of us spent the night there. We got up, we went to the event. The second event that really transformed my journey with the Lord was Eric was part of the Christian Motorcycles Association. See, he talked about motorcycles. Do you like motorcycles? He's part of that. And, and he had been with them and they took some motorcycles down to Nicaragua to give to pastors in rural areas of Nicaragua. And, and uh, he invited me to go with him down there. And, and when he first invited me, I told him, I said, Eric, I can't go. I said, I don't have the money. That was my excuse. I don't have the money. I really didn't want to go. I was scared to death to go that far away into a third world nation and all that. And so I was like, no, I can't go. And, and I don't, don't have the money. And, and so anyway, about a week and a half later, he came up to me and he said, Ridge, would you go if, if your way was paid? And I said, well, I, I might if my way was paid, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, re- reluctant about it. And he said, well, your way is paid. You need to go get your passport. Now, I don't know who gave that money. But that trip changed my life. Those two events really impacted me towards surrendering to preach the gospel so we see the importance of strong Christian relationships, but I want to I also talk about the impact of those. 
Because the impact of strong Christian relationships, you know, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. And that kind of helped with my trajectory, okay, of the way I was headed. But the impact of these important Christian relationships really helped me to make an impact in God's kingdom. And I think this is, this is very, very huge because when we think about this, evangelism flourishes among strong Christian relationships. When we are in relation with each other and we are focused on the kingdom of God, we will share Christ with other people. But you see, when we're separated, when we don't get together much, we get some of the world on us and pretty soon we just lose that fire, that fire for telling others. In 1998, Tracy and I moved to Texas to finish my education and to begin pastoral ministry. And while we were at our first pastorate, we saw an amazing movement of God. We baptized 30 people a year for six years in a little tiny country church out in the middle of nowhere that's surrounded on four sides by pasture land. I found myself praying, Lord, I'm tired of preaching to cows. I want to preach to people. But you know what? We saw a revival taking place in that, in that area at that time. And it was amazing. And, and, and it's over the years, we've, we've literally challenged God's people to give hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of thousands of dollars to kingdom mission work, not only here in the U.S., but also internationally. This is some of the impact that we see from godly Christian relationships that are, that are authentic, that are real. We've been all over the world teaching, uh, this is crazy, been all over the world sharing the gospel, baptizing new believers, discipling others, teaching discipleship, and what discipleship is, telling others, teaching them how to follow Jesus. See, I hope that you realize I am merely scratching the surface. Time would fail me to to tell you everything that I have seen and done because of what God has done in my life. And you need to understand, I'm not bragging about Ridge Adams. I'm talking about what God has done in his kingdom through somebody that is willing to be vulnerable, somebody that is willing to commit themselves to the kingdom of God. It's not me. It's all about him. And what a beautiful thing it is because I'm trying to tell you what God can do with an ordinary person if they are willing to go all in with him. To go in with God and then to commit themselves to the Lord Jesus and to one another. See, many people will walk the journey together while we're in close proximity. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Many people will walk the journey when it's convenient. But when things get tough, when when the going gets hard, they give up and they say, well, I'm not going to do that. 
And so it's hard to, to move forward in the kingdom of God if, if people are not committed to that. But think about this. What about investing in the ministry of a brother or sister? Listen, since the day that Eric and Marilyn moved their family to Nicaragua, since the day they moved, Tracy and I have not ceased to pray for him and her and their ministry. But we've also been very faithful and sacrificial in sowing seed, literally money, every month for the last 24 years. It's that faithfulness over time where you see God working. Anybody can jump in there for a month or two. Anybody can jump in there for a year or two. But are you committed to the long haul? Because that's what it takes in the kingdom. See, helping provide whatever is needed to see that ministry flourish. See, look here. Our world is longing for real, authentic relationships that bring light and edify and build up. Folks, you're not going to find those kind of relationships out there in the world. See, the church is not to be a place of passive absorption where you just sit and, and soak, but it's a place of active participation in the lives of others. See, our society has such a dark, tearing down attitude that is trashing and toxic. And we need strong, Christ-centered relationships that project health and edifying godly character. Here's something else. Parenting succeeds in building strong character in children when they have strong Christian relationships modeled for them. See, we like to just sit back and we like to think it's somebody else's job. It's the preacher's job. It's the Sunday school teacher's job. It's somebody else's job but mine to build the kingdom of God. But it's all of our job to build up, to encourage, to edify. Going back to my example, both of these families had babies. We had quite a few. We had five, they had five, now they got six. But, you know, it's, it's amazing because we raised our children in these strong Christian relationships that built up and encouraged one another. We prayed together. Whenever we came up against a challenge, we would get down around the coffee table and we would pray together because that's what Christians do. They don't wring their hands and say, woe is me. They say, we are going to trust the Lord and we're going to pray and ask God to provide what is needed. We prayed together. We walked the journey together. And I, I know, I know that raising children is hard. Amen. Yeah, can I get an amen? amen? Right. Raising children in this culture is hard. You have to have some very strong Christian relationships. I remember we were going through a very tough time. A retired pastor told me one time, he said, 
His name was Red Earls. He said, you're going to make it. You know how much that meant to me? Just to hear the words, you're going to make it. And he said, you know what? You're going to make it and he's going to grow up. Hey, that gave me enough breath to keep going. That gave me just a, a little bit of reprieve. But listen, society is also impacted by our strong Christian relationships. I mean, whole civilizations turn around one relationship at a time. One relationship at a time. You see, love is a choice. And we have to make the decision to love. Relationships can be strengthened by a person's decision to love. I mean, the power of love is so amazing. And I want you to think about something. Do you believe, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God loves you and that he will take care of you? Folks, we got to know it here and we got to know it here. That God loves us and he will take care of us. You know, our granddaughter, she spent the night with us on Friday night. She's three years old. She'll be four in December. <laughs> there is nothing like the love of a child. Her love is innocent. Her love is pure. Her love is non-judgmental. Her love is her asking questions because she wants to know, but she's just curious about things, how they work, what's going on. But understand, this was also Jesus's method. <laughs> Pure, innocent, non-judgmental, asking questions. I use the example of the, the Samaritan woman at the well. He was sitting there thirsty and he asked for a drink of water. You know, and she, she said, well, you know, why? What, what, what is it you want? He's like, he's like, well, if you would give me a drink, if you knew who it was that was asking, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she asked him if he's, she thinks he's a prophet. Then she thinks he's uh, the Messiah. And then she goes and tells the men in the city, I think I've found the Christ, the anointed one, because he's told me everything that I've ever done. And you know what? He's just asking questions. He's just loving and love is a choice. And I want to say this morning for the sake of our churches, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our Lord, we must build up our relationships, which will strengthen our cities and our nation and our world. I mean, Paul did that with Timothy and Barnabas did that with Paul. Encouraged, comforted, edified, build up. So older men, older women who have walked with Christ for a decade or more, let me ask you, are you discipling the next generation? 
Are you teaching them what it means to follow Jesus? See, I'm so proud of our, our college ladies and our women's ministry team who met together last week to discuss with each other, you know, having a forum to discuss discipleship and having a panel to answer questions about connecting together with one another. And brothers and sisters, we need more of that. We need more of being intentional about discipling each other, encouraging each other, the more as we see the day approaching. We know that one of these days before long, King Jesus is going to return. Oh, I want to be ready when that day comes. I don't want him to, t- to, to surprise me like a thief in the night. I want to be watching and waiting and ready for him to return. Folks, now is the time to boldly move forward. Now is the time to take our stand with Jesus Christ. To to lock arms with one another and say, we are going to follow Christ no matter what. We believe the word of God. We believe what he says in here. Whether they do or not, we do. And we're going to take our stand and we're going to boldly move forward. Now is the time to mash the accelerator. Not to shrink back because of all the darkness. Because in the darkness, the light shines brighter. Now is the time. We need to put some points on the board for our Lord Jesus. I want to invite our worship team to come back up here. And and I want to say, let's follow the leader. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's build the kingdom for Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. But you need to understand that it begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to make an impact in the kingdom without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it continues once we know him, then we continue in obedience to him, complete obedience. And it's furthered by self-denying sacrifice. That means it's not what I want. It's what you want, Lord. It's that self-denying. It's like he must increase and I must decrease. We have to be totally committed to him and to his kingdom and to one another. See, I believe that God is at work all around us. And I believe in these last days, he is pouring out his spirit upon his people. So do not miss it. Do not sleep through it. Awake, oh soul, awake. Be on the alert, be ready for his return. And let us continue to encourage one another and and, and edify and build up one another as we see that day approaching. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for the work that you are doing in each one of our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be encouragers with one another.